Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy podcast, your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker, Jordan Bunch. All right, last week you heard part one of the gear roundtable discussion. This week, I'm just going to let us dive right back in here to part two. So if you missed part one, stop download part one, and then come back to part two so that you can really get the full discussion here. Again, normally we're not going to split our podcast into two sections, but our our conversation was just going so well that I didn't want to cut us off mid-conversation and we just went too long. And so I did split this into a two-part series for you. But here we go. We're diving right back into the discussion that we started last week. So uh, we've, we've talked a little bit about lenses here. Um, I'm curious, like what's I, I, I threw out that I'm kind of an all prime guy. What about um, what about you guys? Let's start with you, Garrett. Sure. Um, I start the day with a 24 to 70. I love my zooms. We do have a few primes. Uh, zooms are just more versatile. Um, with the we shoot 4K, and then with the Sony's G Master lenses, those two are just a powerhouse of a combo. And so I'm getting just extremely sharp images. But the 24 to 70, I I usually do groom prep, so I'll walk into uh, the groom prep with literally just um, I got sitting here actually just the the, the body, the lens, and a, a little shotgun mic on top. No monopod, no tripod, no gimbal. And because of the image stabilization that's built into the Sony system, I can go handheld for the entire groom prep, which I love because I'm not this intimidating. Uh, a guy with a camera and lights and tripods, monopods, sliders, whatever you use. And I can go into a groom prep and just be really versatile and be all over the place, up, down, sideways, whatever I need. And uh, the groom just seems to be more uh, comforted by not having, you know, a lot of equipment in his face. And also, you know, we mentioned that those in-body uh, stabilized sensors aren't really a gimbal replacement, and they're not, but I have used it to uh, simulate slider shots. We did a couple reviews mm. with the 6500 and um, with the 6300 and the A7S2. And if I hold it real tight to my chest and kind of give it a little side to side motion with my body, it simulates a nice little short uh, slider motion mm. that uh, I really like. But Amber, right now, she's using for her uh, bride prep. Oh, by the way, that 24 to 70 is a 28. She's using a 28 to 135 Sony G, and it's an F4. And I'm trying to get her switched to the G Master 24 to 70, but she loves that that uh, that range that she's given with that. But uh, I, I I love it, especially when you get up to about 70 and beyond. You get some really nice um, creamy backgrounds with it. Sure. And it's it's a par focal lens. So what what another reason why I like it is like during the toast, sit on a tripod and I'll zoom in all the way to do a lockdown shot of the bride and groom at their table. Get it in focus. Now, once that's in focus, zoomed all the way in, uh, periodically I can change the focal length. I can go really wide, medium, tight, whatever. And no matter where I'm at, that lens will stay in focus, on manual focus. But once you go in all the way, focus it, you can kind of play with it still, and it'll stay in focus without you having to adjust the focus. So that's something I really like. Downside of that lens is it's a beast. It's really, really a, a, a big guy. Um, and then for the most part, um, the rest of the day, we use 7200 G Master from Sony's. Um, I could honestly shoot an entire day with just that lens. People ask me, you know, what, what, um, if I had to buy one lens, what should it be? And I said, well, personally, I could, I mean, 7200, I could do the prep. I could do everything I needed to do with that lens. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a great option. 
And then, um, you know, we got the 90 millimeter macro for like our ring shots and, and some macro shots that we use the Sony 10 to 18 for some big wide epic shots. Like, uh, sometimes if the clouds are nice outside of the church, I'll do a time lapse, you know, with, uh, with the church in the bottom and the clouds on the top, things like that. And, uh, and then for the reception and some other shots throughout the day, we have the 8514. Uh, G Master, which is is just oh, it's the sharpest lens on my kit. I mean, it's just ridiculous, and it has the uh, declickable aperture adjustment. So if you're out and you need to change your exposure or something like that, you can do it smoothly um, and easily. And just it's a nice nice feature to have. Um, but yeah, that's um, I think we got six lenses that we carry with us. Um, we have the two two seventy two hundreds, the um, twenty four to seventy, twenty eight to one thirty five, Sony ten to eighteen, and um, May have another G Master in the next few weeks with the 100 millimeter macro they just they just announced, which looks looks enticing. Got to play with it at WPPI just a little bit, and uh, looks really cool. Nice. Do you have aperture preferences on your lenses? Um, only on the. Oh, okay. Um, I like them to be as fast as possible. I, I like shooting wide open, so I like that creamy background. I like the big. Um, beautiful bokeh lights um, in the background. So yeah, I, I like them to be fast. We used the Sony Zeiss F4 lenses when we first started, and they were nice, but they were the fly-by-wire, so they were a little tough to get used to. Um, it can be yeah. done, and they're a lot, lot um, more budget-friendly than some of the, the G Masters. But uh, but yeah, um, the F4s were okay, but I just they were okay because I had the A7S and the A7S II, so I could I could shoot at f4 and not be in too much of, of have a problem because of it's a you know a low light beast. And your sensor size but, on the A7S is uh, they're both both full frame. Oh, okay, cool. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Now on the 6500, uh, that we use that for a B cam and for a gimbal cam right now, and it's uh, it's the uh, the APS-C size. Okay. Which the great thing about that little guy though is it's it's a beast. Um, it's a six K sensor, and it down converts it to four K. So it's just an, a really nice image for a, a crop sensor like that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm excited about on the the GH5. I think it's it's you can do six K, but in the you know sixteen by nine aspect ratio, um, it's five point four K. Um, so okay. you're using on this one. Then the GH4 they cropped in the sensor a little bit when you're shooting in 4K. Mm-hmm. So the GH5 will use the whole sensor or the whole width nice. of the sensor, and then downres that. So I'm actually getting an extra two because I got to play with the, the GH5. It's not out yet. I got to play with it for about a week um, and compare with my GH4, and I'm getting an extra two stops, two and a half stops of ISO performance out of that. And there so I'm go. super pumped that I'm gonna be able to shoot up, like yeah. 6400, and it still look pretty good. So. I'm, Pretty pumped for that. Cool. Uh, off topic. So, Clint, what about you? What are you using lens-wise? Uh, anywhere from 16 to, to 200, depending on the shot. Um, I am so not a gear person. It's so funny that I'm on the gear chat. But uh, but <laughs> I believe that the C100 Mark II has some sort of a crop sensor. I don't believe it's all the way to crop sensor. Um but I believe it's it's smaller than full frame. I know that. Uh, it's the same sensor as this. I'm pretty sure it's a Super 35 sensor. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. Which I don't know what that means. Which is a, a kind of in between like an APS-C and a Micro Four Thirds. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. So it has the same sensor as the C300, which um, 
on the C300, I believe they they allow you to tap into the 4K ability. Uh, so so what I've read, I think, is that the C100 shooting 4K, downrezzing to 1080, and then saving it to the card. Um, I, that's what I I'm not positive, and I don't even care really. But that's kind of what I think it's doing. And we I don't really shoot wide open most of the time. Um, I like man, I just like it to be sharp, and I like it to be in focus and clean. And um, yeah. And it bothered me a little bit at first, going from full frame to the C100s. Um, but then I got over it fast. Once once I got emails from ad agencies in Dallas going, hey, what is so sharp about this? Why? What is going on? How are you doing this on the fly? How are people walking and they're still tack focused? And, um, and so, you know... I, I shoot wide open when I need to, but I, I don't prefer it. Um, and so, so anyways, just 16 to 200s. I, I won't do my 200s on a glide cam most of the time, uh, but I shot an entire Lecrae concert uh, at 200 on my glide cam. Wow. Uh, and so it's, you just do what you got to do. You know, put a few weights on the back to, to balance out that big old lens on the front and, and rock it, you know. So, um I, yeah, it's none of that. It's, it's so funny. None of this matters as much as, yep. as story and. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'll give my side of it. Um, now that Clint tried to shut me down there saying none of this actually matters. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing matters. Uh, back to you, Jordan. Yes, back to me where I'll talk about why it matters. <laughs> uh, no, I, I talked about, I use all primes and, and honestly a, a big part of that, is I think when you're using a micro four thirds sensor for video, it's it's important to use primes um, because uh, several reasons. One is because with a smaller sensor, you need to be able to open up your aperture a little bit more um, to be able to get a cleaner image so you can shoot with a lower ISO. Um, that's going to matter a lot less with the GH5. Like I said, I was getting really good results at 6,400 and even 8,000 was usable, I thought, on the GH5. And so less of an issue um, with kind of the, the pinnacle of micro four-thirds cameras there in the GH5. But um, I have, so I've got a quick rundown. I've got the Olympus 12 millimeter F2, the, the Leica 15 F17. So all these, when I say the numbers, um, for those of you who don't know, if you're using a micro four third sensor, you have to double it to get the effective focal length. So when I say a 12, it's a 24 okay. F2, the 15 is a 30 uh, F17. Okay. The 25 is a 50. So I have a, uh, the Leica 2514. Um, why, why do these? Why do they do that to us? The same way across the board. When when you, when you it's a lens that's made for my crop sensor. Just tell me what it's going to be. It would be I'm nice. <laughs> it would be nice. I'm super pumped about this. I just picked up this little lens. Um, for if you're watching the video, you see it. This is the Voigtlander, uh, 42 Ooh. and a half mil. Um, F, Never played with those. It's it's amazing. It's uh, f zero point nine five. Nice. I've heard uh, a lot of good things about the Voigtlander. They're incredible. They're really, they're really very kind of filmic in the way that they're funky. The colors on them are, are unbelievable. Um, and when you open it all the way up, 
Um, I really like like shooting into the lights because in the center you get nice, pretty round bokeh balls, and then on the on the edges they're kind of like this cool like football lemon shape, uh, which you know for some people they may be like, oh, that's terrible. For me, I'm like, oh, that's really funky and cool, and I love nice, it. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, got that one. I have Olympus makes a 75 f1.8, and it's only like this big, so it's equivalent to a. I'm saying this big. It's like maybe four or five inches big, but it's equivalent to 150 mil f1.8. Um, part of the reason I love Micro Four Thirds so much is because all the gear is tiny, and I have a really, right. I have it. a really wimpy back. Um, I, I. Uh, well, that gets important the older you get, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, so to, this is this is the last day of my 20s. I'm 29 oh, oh, today. Wow. Tomorrow I turn 30. Um, See, when late, earlier when you back. said dinosaur, I thought you were talking about me. Oh, okay. I am the oldest guy in the room right yeah. now. Fair enough. Uh, but my back is like a 60-year-old, so so the small gear really works for me. Um, and then Rokinon makes some amazing glass. So I use the Rokinon 85 F1.8, I think, or 1.4, I think. I can't remember. Whatever it is. Um, but uh, if you're... If you're looking to get into good lenses for cheap and you're using video, so you're manual focusing anyways, uh, man, look at the Rokinon stuff. Absolutely, yeah. The colors are popping on this thing, and it is tack sharp. I'm like, I'm floored at this $300 lens, you know. Uh, oh, absolutely. When we first, before we bought all of our Canon L series, and even we even had, I think, an 85 that we adapted on Sony for a while. You know, we we use those for a long time. It's it's very good place to start with. Absolutely, yeah. Garrett, are you manual focusing? Yes, I. We did a test on the 6500 because everybody was raving about how amazing the autofocus is, and I said, "Well, let's test it." So we shot a wedding. Um, uh, I, and I'm going to preface this by saying uh, we wanted to test the 6500 and um, put it on our review channel on YouTube, and but we didn't want to test it at a wedding where somebody has paid us thousands of dollars for. So we found a wedding planner. We told them, hey, you know, we want to test these cameras out. We'll we'll give them their wedding highlight for free if you just let us let us shoot the wedding. We found you know a bride that didn't have videography or a filmmaker, so we shot the entire wedding for for free using three sixty five hundreds, and I used autofocus ninety percent of the day just to see if it could do it. And there was a couple times when I, I didn't do it, but I actually let the bride walk down the aisle on autofocus and did the you know the face tracking as she walked down. And um, it it did a really good job. And that's not to say that I'll do that ever again because <laughs> I was just scared to death. Yeah. But um, yeah, we're manual focused all all the way normally. Yeah, me too. Are you, are you manual focused or autofocus, Clint? Uh, I would say ninety percent of the day I'm autofocus. Well, you're oh. you're stopping down too, so I guess that helps, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Um, but but I'm also on a glide cam, and so. If I miss it by an inch, I I back out or I zoom in or I move in, you know. And so, gotcha. so if I notice that his back eye is in focus, I just do that, and and I'm good to go. That's 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 one of the for me like what you just said is one of the reasons I love Micro Four Thirds so much because you said if his back eye is in focus, then I have to shift. Right. That's one of the great things about the smaller sensor, um, and a lot of people don't don't ever think of this aspect of it is with a full frame sensor, uh, you know, sometimes, especially, you know, you stop down all the way cause you want that, that creamy, um, that creamy background. 
You've got like that much in focus. So keeping something right. in focus is extremely difficult, especially if you're like shooting on a, on a 5D and you don't have focus peaking, you know, good luck. Um, right. and that's why you see so many, so many wedding videos where, um, you know, a lot of the day is out of focus. Um, I don't think that that's a look they're going for. Um, maybe <laughs> for some people it is. Um, but it's, it's probably a fact of they couldn't keep it in focus because sure. of the really large sensor and the wide aperture. So with the micro four third system, I can be shooting at a, an effective focal length of 50 at one four. And I still have like, you know, uh, a couple of feet in focus, but I still have a nice creamy background. Um, and so that's one of the reasons I love, you know, love the micro four third sure. systems. I can manually focus pretty easily with focus peaking. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Jordan, let me speak to on the, the Sony side of that um, with the new A6500. And I'm, I'm assuming they're going to, I really hope they implement this feature in their uh, upcoming models of, let's say, the A7S3 and things like that. It was, um, you have, you know, facial recognition. So it'll put a box on their face and track their faces. But with the 6500, you also have eye detection. So it will find the closest eye to the camera and actually track the eye and get the eye in focus. And nice. that way, you know, if you're shooting at 1.4, if you're shooting even at 2.8, sometimes the nose can be in perfect focus yeah. but you can't you can't see it sometimes on the screen and the eyes aren't in aren't as in focus as you'd like them to be right so having that eye tracking i mean it would actually as the person moves track that eye wherever it goes that that's an invaluable feature that's on a really inexpensive camera we yeah. when we upgraded to our c100s we lost the ability to take photos of our kids I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old mm. and we just oh yeah all of a sudden i'm a i was a photographer and now I can't even take a photo. So uh, we actually invested in a Fuji X-T2, the new nice. oh, Fuji yeah. for uh, for our family camera. And Little mirrorless, right? Yeah. And oh yeah. my gosh, guys, this thing is nuts. It's <laughs> I'm sure it's similar uh, to those A7Rs. Um, but yeah, it does that eye tracking. Uh, and I mean, our kids are all over the place. They are impossible to keep in a frame you've got to shoot at at 250 or or faster to to keep them without without having a ton of motion blur uh and it'll it's tack focus every time and it's i mean it's nuts it's worlds apart so clint if you if i can get you if i can get you into a gh5 clint you can actually put it in, in what's called 6k photo mode so it's taking 6K video and then, which is effectively an 18 megapixel still and shooting it at 30 frames a second. You go back in after the fact and choose the still image you want and it's autofocus tracking the whole time. And I've tested it on the GH5 and it's just like, it's like what he was describing on the uh, A6500 um, where it can follow focus like crazy. So you can, yeah. you can take some, uh, some photos of your kids running around like wild and then choose the exact, uh, you know, uh, yeah. 30th of a second that you want. Yeah, we're way off topic, but I think this thing's 18 <laughs> frames a second doing photos raw. Right. Yep. And uh, I, it sounds like a, it sounds like it would be video if I hold it down. It's just like yep. at, and yep. I'm just tack focus, uh, continuous autofocus between each yep. shot. Just like what, our video cameras are way behind the curve here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, for sure. It's an exciting time yeah. right now. So awesome. Um we are we're like over an hour now already. 
Um, and there was lots more jabbing I wanted to do of these guys. I, I loved, I could talk gear all night. That's one yeah. thing I love about going to WPPI <laughs> is yeah. sitting down finding some people and, and eating, sitting down at lunch and stuff. You sit down at lunch and then you start talking about gear. And by the, by the time you're halfway through talking about it, it's time for dinner. So you just stay there and eat again. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's just nice to, uh, we live in Southern Indiana. We're kind of separated from, from a lot of people. So yeah, I love, love talking, talking shop for sure. Well, I do want to ask one question because I, I know a few Sony shooters and we talked in kind of the pre-show talk here. Um, I, I made a joke about your battery life over there as a Uh-oh. Sony user. So, and, and it sounded like you were going to give an answer to me. And so I'm curious what answer you have. I have a buddy in town um, who I work with a lot. Um, he's shooting with the A7S and A7S II as well. And he brings a dozen batteries to my one. Um on the GH4. So I'm curious, you sound like you had some kind of a response to that before. What, what do you got? I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to knock you on the GH4 with battery life. That is, that is pretty good. Um, but no, um, I think a lot of people, when they, they talk about, um, the Sony batteries and the battery life, uh, have not actually used a Sony camera. They're just seeing what maybe some people are posting online and things like that. We've been using the Sony battery system for about three years now, and I'm holding it up on the screen now, but it's, it's it's so tiny, you know. Our, our cameras are tiny, and and yep. the, the physical battery is is very tiny. So, uh, and the camera is doing quite a lot. I mean, the the camera is do pushing the limits of what can be done right now with this tiny little battery. Now we use the battery grip, and I'm holding this up for the camera. Okay, and it has, puts two batteries in our in our A7 series cameras. Uh, when we shot with Canon. Um, Amber and I would go through about, um, six batteries a day on, on, on a heavy shooting day, Catholic ceremony, 14 hour day. We'd go through about six batteries per camera a day. Wow. Um, nowadays with the Sony, it's between six and eight. So it is a little, I do have to bring a, a few more batteries with me, but I don't think it's a situation where like, oh my goodness, this only lasts me 20 minutes and I got to throw another battery in it. From the personal test that I've done of solid recording, each battery lasts about an hour of solid recording in 4k at hundred megabits per second. Uh, I think that's, it, it, it does not hinder my day at all. I, I just carry a few extra batteries and it, it does really well, but yes, it is a little, little less than, you know, your GH4. I, I cannot a little bit. I mean, I can get through, I can get through an eight hour shoot on one battery, but so, so you don't shoot a lot. Is that right? Yeah. I don't shoot a lot. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm just no yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, the, uh, we just carry a few extra, and um, and like I said, with the Canon system, we used uh, you know around six, and then with the Sony system, we use between six and eight. It just depends how we shoot, yeah. and and that's also you know doing the image stabilization in your lens. It's doing the image stabilization in the body. It's recording 4K. Uh, there's there's so much it's doing, pulling from that little tiny battery. And just a quick tip: any shooters out there that are shooting on Sony or thinking about it, um, if you disable the um, or turn on actually the air Plane mode on the camera that'll disable the NFC ch- NFC chip, the Wi-Fi, and any kind of wireless communications, and that will help your battery go a little bit longer. Okay, I'll have to tell my buddy about that, and uh, maybe he won't have to bring a dozen. He can just bring eight with him. <laughs> just so. eight. Yeah. We're on yeah. two. They're so small. <laughs> We're on two, two per day with a. But um, same with my Fuji. Uh, its battery life isn't amazing. Uh, I don't do video on that on that Fuji. But uh, sure. I've set it up as a C cam, maybe C D cam actually. Uh, every now and then, uh, just to play with it and just to see what it gets. And um, 
But I have shot with several Sony mirrorless photographers and they turn it off and then they turn it back mm. on, do some photos, turn it back off. And they're constantly on and off and on and off all day. Mm. And um, I've seen them miss shots that they wanted to get. Uh, they yeah. weren't vital shots. But um, but yeah, that's another trick, I guess. But yeah, my yeah. batteries are as big as your cameras are. <laughs> well, actually, um, on on that uh, on that topic, um, I, I forgot to mention this earlier. One of the things when we switched over to the the um, A7 style bodies, the biggest biggest thing, and it becomes more prevalent to me the older I get and the longer I shoot, is was the size, the convenience of how small yeah. uh, the system is. We carry, we have everything we bring to a wedding. One person can carry. We have a, a small canvas bag for our tripods and monopods and light stands. We have uh, and then a, a, um, a think tank airport security two, which is a carry on size, and that's it. In that carry on is all our audio gear. Let's see, we have five bodies in there and six lenses, and uh, and that has revolutionized the way I'm. It's increased my ability to capture more and to be more mobile. And I I would. I can never go back to anything bigger than that. It's just, it's just such a, a nice freedom to feel and just to be, just to be mobile and just to, to, you know, have all your gear with you at all the times. And, you know, at the end of our Canon era, we were not being allowed into the front door of some of these venues because we had, you know, a cart with a, like a, a four wheel cart that you fold up. You know, we had a Pelican case for all of our cameras and lenses. We had a Pelican case for all our lighting. We had a Pelican case for our, our drone. And, and, uh, and I think that's about it. But yeah, they would say, no, 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 no. You have to go back and use the service elevator because that's, that's too much to bring in, to bring into this, this venue. So I, I could never go back to anything bigger for sure. Hmm. Well, I'm the guy that even though I shoot with Micro Four Thirds system, I still have, uh, you know, my Forerunner trunk is still completely full of stuff because I've got my lights and I've got Go my Osmo small, and my drone. Small. But, uh, but I will say, like, uh, the bag that I have on me at all times, uh, you know, throughout the day uh, can fit an iPad mini, like, you know, diameter size in it. Like I couldn't okay. even fit a 13 inch MacBook inside of it. It's so small and I can, you know, I could put, uh, you know, an extra body and, you know, four lenses and, uh, I can throw in all my audio gear in there, you know? And so as far oh, as nice. like what I'm actually carrying on the day, I can carry a ton of gear in this tiny little bag. Um, sometimes I've actually been known to stick a lens in my shirt pocket, uh, <laughs> believe it or not. So, um, I, yeah, I so stick I, my recorder, my audio recorder <laughs> in my in my shirt pocket, like a lapel impressive. mic. Impressive, and a, yeah. um, but I wear a suit to every single wedding, and I don't have a bag I carry around because those batteries last. I mean, I switch batteries uh, before or after a ceremony. And that's the only time I switch. And sure. so I'll just go grab one more out of the bag when I'm grabbing a tripod or something, setting up for the ceremony. Um, but yeah, I just... I'm just blown away that you're doing glide cam the whole day with that big camera. I know. That's... You're a monster, dude. I'm impressed. Your back must be just like ripped. Yeah. <laughs> I I got to be on a monopod at least. Yeah, all the me time. too. But, but I'm excited. Well, like you mentioned with your using the... Uh, the in-body stabilization yeah, on the GH5. Yes. I was testing that out on the GH5, and that's what I I came away with thinking, "Wow, this can replace a monopod," yeah. um, which is super this, exciting. So yeah, 
I'm holding it up to the lens or, or to the camera right now, but this this you know has a battery grip on my A7S2, the G Master 24 to 70, and a uh, shotgun mic. And this is the first third of the day. This is all my groom prep, and it's it's oh man, it's just to, just to go mobile. It's so so nice. It's it really is. And and speaking to that, this is totally off topic, but I don't know if you guys do aerials, but uh, we've been using mm-hmm. the yep. um, DJI Inspire since it since it first came out, and nice. I did not pre-order the Mavic. But uh, which I regret immensely, and it just came in today. I haven't even got it out of nice. the box yet. But that's another step we're taking in to just make our kit smaller because that thing will fit into like a, a hole where the lens goes. Yeah, and, it's and like I, uh, it's, I, I laid it next to my iPhone Plus, my iPhone Seven Plus. It's like the same footprint, you know. Yes, I uh, I, I just ordered the uh, went... I just ordered the Phantom Four Pro. Nice. Um, which will arrive on Monday, so I'm super excited. My my Phantom Three 4K, um, it uh, fell out of the sky. We'll say. Oh no! So, wow. Yeah. I yeah. yeah. The pro- the only problem I've had with any of that is going into other countries and them going, mm-hmm. "Oh, that's a drone. Why are you coming into our country with bags full of metal and a drone?" Uh, right. And then when they find out what I'm doing and they don't care. Uh, Sometimes they've made me pay taxes on oh, that yeah. drone, wow. and so as if yeah. I'm bringing it into the country to sell it or something. And um, so, yeah, sticking it in the think tank that would be killer. Just going in with the think tank, it looks like luggage. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah if I was traveling a lot, I would definitely, you know, that Mavic. Uh, definitely go for that Mavic. I just I like the the one inch sensor that came with the you know the Phantom Four Pro. Yeah, so. right. Well, with the Inspire, you know, when I go out to do the uh, bride and groom creative session, Amber's on. She has her 7200 and a monopod. Right now, up to this point, I've had to choose, do I bring, do I get an aerial shot or do I get a, a whole bunch of creative shots with like a slider and 85 and some other lenses? But I can't do both because if I take the Inspire, I'm it's like it's two arms full of gear right. running yeah. out there with it. Now, I, I do like the the cool factor because most people at weddings haven't seen an Inspire. They're like, whoa, what that is, is that? Cool. Yeah. But, but I'm kind of over that because it's such a pain <laughs> to haul around. And if I can bring my, my think tank out there, get my aerial, throw it back in there, then pull out an 85 or pull out a 10 to 18, get another shot. I'm just, I'm getting more content. And that's just, that's, I mean, it may not be as good as the Inspire with, or the, it's not even as good as the, the, uh, the new uh, Phantom 4 with its, I think it was a one inch sensor. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a it's great. Got the same sensor as like the, uh, I think like the LX10 and the RX100. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm willing to sacrifice just a little bit um, t- to get that maneuverability and portability. Yep. Totally awesome. off topic. Sorry. No, that's okay. Yeah, we we are bound to do that as we're talking this stuff. <laughs> um, well, I do want to start uh, kind of closing in. Were you going to say something, Clint? Well, I do think we just got to touch on. We just got to touch on that. That it's it's so not about gear. Yep. Right. It's so not about gear. If yep. if I could somehow get a truthful answer of how much do you love each other? Yeah. <laughs> um, what does he or she mean to you? Who is he or she to you? Then all of a sudden you're, you're just creating gold at every turn. 
you know, yeah. and, and there's, there's a, there's a surface level thing. And then there's something that just digs to the depths and, yeah. and that's something that I've learned to really appreciate is digging some stuff out of people, asking them to write notes, asking them to write their own vows. Uh, I don't yep. require any of that stuff. Um, asking, I do the same thing. I always ask that question. Yeah, yeah. Asking them to, hey, can I come to the rehearsal dinner? Will you pay, you know, will the groom's family pay for that? Will the bride's family pay for that? Uh, if not, then will you have the, the best man or maid, or honor, maid of honor do a toast? Um, and, and here, here's my five favorite ones. Have them watch it. Uh, just different things like that that can that yeah. can just revolutionize what you create way beyond lenses or sensors or anything like that. Well, I really appreciate that. I think that's and it's a, it's a great transition into the next series that I'm going to do. The very so I wanted to follow up kind of this junk food series with the meat and vegetables of storytelling. So the next series that we're going to do is all about storytelling. And so I'm going to be talking to uh, you know uh, interviewing several different filmmakers um, who who are telling amazing stories. And, right. and get Content into the thing of how do we do that really well in a way that that moves the viewer to tears. You know, my favorite email to get from a client or from a from a potential client is, "Hey, I was watching this video of people I don't even know, and I'm crying watching their film. Like, why am I? Tell me about this. Like, why am I crying? <laughs> yes, yeah. I don't even know these people, and I'm crying. What's going on? Yep. Like, well, it's just good storytelling. You know, it's like a good movie. Yeah, content is king, and there is gold. If if you aren't shooting or aren't offering the uh, opportunity for your clients and your couples to have the rehearsal dinner covered, mm-hmm. you need to do that. There is gold there. We don't. We're not able it's to so sell good. that too often, but there's there's just more comfortable and they open up more than they do at at the at the wedding reception. It's an intimate and, gathering. Right, right. Yeah. It's like they're just the close knit friends and family that mean the absolute most to them are there and they just open up and there's just there's gold there. There is gold. There is. I agree. I appreciate you bringing us back to that client. Um I do want to to start wrapping up here and so we're going to do we're going to do a pick of the week. So, uh, who, who wants to go first? Take it, Clint. Oh man. <laughs> you did ask me wow. to choose something. Um, do you want me to, do you want me to go first while you think about it? Yeah, go first. Okay. All right. So I am, we are, uh, we're recording this again on the 23rd of February. And so the, I'm going to choose something that's not quite out yet, but I get to choose it because I have played with it for a week and I'm dying to get it back. And we're on the topic anyways. It's the GH5. Um, I was floored playing with this camera, um, which uh, which says a lot because I I honestly thought, like, I love my GH4 so much. Like, what can they really do that's going to make it that much better? Um, but I'm floored, um, and I already have uh, two of them coming my way. So I'm super pumped. Uh, in-body image stabilization uh, 4k 10 bit, uh, which is going to be amazing. You're used to seeing a lot of times those banding in the blue skies is kind of like a blue rain, blue rainbow, um, that you see in your skies. A lot of times that, 
Um, it's a thing of the past. To be able to shoot 4K in slow-mo is a huge deal to me. I'm super pumped for that because I deliver all my wedding films um, in 4K um, just because all my clients pay to upgrade. I have my base package does not include 4K. Um, right. But after that, they all do include 4K. And so most of my clients are upgrading, um, giving me an extra 1000 bucks just because they want 4K. And so I've never been able to do anything in slow-mo. And so I'm super pumped for 4K at 60p. Um, I'm going to, you know, not overdo it, but I I think there's some some, uh, certain parts that, uh, you know, just look extra beautiful, you know, when I'm doing like the portrait session kind of, kind of stuff, um, you know, walking through a field and slow-mo and some of those right. moments, I think, and, and some of the dance scenes, I think are really cool when you can do it in slow-mo. And so do, being able to do that, being able to get an extra two stops of light, um, an extra two stops of dynamic range, uh, you know, the Lumix system is, is one of the very few, it's actually the only small format system that will shoot continuously, um, no record limit. Um, and then the audio interface that they're putting on it, I'm super pumped about that because they, they made a total bust with the audio interface unit for the GH4. Um, it just had so many quirks to it. Um, I have one sitting over here on a shelf, but, um, it never really gets any use. Uh, but the one that they built for the GH5 goes on top on the shoe, on the hot shoe and actually records. So it doesn't take any wires into the mic jack. It just records, um, from the hot shoe itself, you can put two XLR units in there. And so I'm excited for better sounding audio directly into the camera. Um, there's just, uh, it's got this crazy mode where you can actually, uh, you can actually pull focus by touching the screen. Um, and I was playing with this and it just locks on rock solid and goes really fast and doesn't hunt at all when it's doing this. So I could actually like run a slider and push a button on the back of the screen, the touch screen, Sony users, touch screen. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I could touch the back of the screen and it will just pull my focus automatically for me. So there's just yep. so much. I'm super pumped about the GH5. So that's my pick of the week. Nice. Yeah, our 6500, um, it, it has that touch to focus and you can drag to change focus. And uh, not, not to not to uh, throw any jabs, but uh, Sony has had the um, the XLR input through the hot shoe oh, for... I don't know, several years now. Yes, so um, you, you can thank Sony for that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, how's that? Uh, how's that overheating issue going for you over there? Not an issue at all. <laughs> I've shot on <laughs> the beaches of Mexico. I've shot on the beaches of Mexico with it, and and it gets cranky if, if you you know if it gets gets going for a long time. But on the um, only on the sixty five hundred on those slow smaller bodies, but we have never had an issue with the A seven S two. Yeah, overheating in four K. Well, that's good. Uh, another, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought those... your ice packs for it then. So that's good. That's a good <laughs> good strategy. <laughs> and and the 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 uh, four foot fan in the background. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, do you have a pick of the week for us? Sure. Yep. Um, it's not anything new or groundbreaking. Um, it was when it came out and we first started using it, but it is the. Sure Monopod, um, spelled S I R U Y. We've been using that for several years, and uh, my Manfrotto sticks that I were using um, were pretty rough on equipment. Uh, we throw them in the back of trucks, uh, throw them in the, in, the, in the trunk, you know, things like that. And I just got tired of things falling off and falling apart on me and becoming, un, you know, 
untightened and loose. Um, and not, not to say that Manfrotto is not great. Uh, we used it for a long time, but um, this new Suray monopod is just the one we use is called, let's see, I wrote it down here, the P224S. Nice. And it's carbon fiber, um, has these three little feet like most of them do now that you can lock down. But it's it's a lot – the feet are, are more robust. Mm-hmm. And so when you need it to stand up for, let's say, a, a toast, you can lock those down and it'll, it'll just stand there rock solid. Now, I wouldn't suggest – I've done it before, but I, I'm telling you not to. Yeah. Is to leave it there and walk away. Yep. Because, you know – Little kid can think, oh, it's a pole I'm going to climb on, and then they just go down. But I've been lucky, and it's never happened to me. But in conjunction with that is their VH5, I think it's called, yeah, VH5 um, video head, which takes the Manfrotto-style plates. And a video head, you know, there's a lot of video heads out there. Video head's a video head. Once you get to a certain point, they pretty much all perform the same. But what I like about this one is unlike my older Manfrotto style, I had to, on the right side, unhook a little um, tension adapter and then hold it with my other hand and then reach to the other side and do the little flip lock to pop it off. Whereas this one, you um, loosen the tension and then you grab your camera and there's a button on the very back of the head. Not the either side, but the very back. So you can grab the top of your monopod or tripod uh, grab the head and push that button in and pull your camera off and not having to balance, you know, the, the monopod with your with your camera. So it's just a really nice feature. And they're built very, very well. Like I said, we we beat these up and uh, and they they just perform really well for us. But, yeah, I think that the monopods less than two hundred dollars, something like that. And the heads like one fifty. Don't quote me on that, but they're they're not not that crazy expensive at all. Cool. Nice we pick. love them. Nice Thank you. Pick. What about you, Clint? I have loved my Juice Link Little Darlink. It's an audio recorder. Uh, very, very similar to the new Tascam D10L, maybe? Yep, that's okay. it. We love him. Uh, you have the the Tascams? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is... Um, it came out, I don't know, six months before that or something. Uh, I wanted those, but you could only get them in Europe or something like that. Some I don't know why. Yeah. But... Um, but yeah, all metal construction. Uh, it it doesn't have any of the rubbery knobs that my previous Tascam had. I, I ran some Tascams for a while. Um, you have to you have to unscrew the mic jack and take that eighth inch mic jack and stick it down in a hole and to turn on and off the the audio. So no groom. I've had grooms back in the back not want me to hear what they were going to say and turn my audio off. And think that they turned it back on when they walked out to the ceremony and, and they didn't turn it back on. And so I had to use the priest's mic for the bride and groom. Yeah. And um, yeah. it's just... That's awful. Yeah. So yeah. many interviews, um, corporate interviews where they, they'll just get done talking and just get up and my my recorder goes flying somewhere, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's all metal. It, it records two different tracks just like that task cam, loud and soft, so I can... Um, I can plug it into anything I want to plug it into. I can set it up in front of the loudest speaker that I that there is and and it just it just performs in every single situation. So Tascam Little Darling, I mean Juice Link Little Darling or the Tascam 10L is the same thing. 
I think the reason why you couldn't buy that in the states is because of the little darling. Like there was a there was copyright infringement or or, or, or something. So that's why you couldn't get it. So Tascam, um, on the one that was for sale in uh, Europe, had a throughput where it had a line in and a line yeah. out. Well, to get them to be able to sell it in the U.S., they had to ditch the line out, uh, which is what that little darling has. Yeah. So I, I I don't know. That's purely speculation i have no idea yeah. but just from what i've read and like i think there was some yeah issues there with that yeah yeah we've done we don't ever do wireless i don't do wireless on weddings but when i'm doing a corporate gig and there's a there's a speaker up there on a stage and he has a wireless mic it's awesome just to tap right into that that feed yeah. right there and just get that audio rather than having to rely on that dj or audio tech well i'll make garrett happy and show uh I am oh, a Sony user <laughs> here. Uh, my my Sony wireless loss, which I actually nice. love, getting amazing sound out of them, and I've yet to have any interference issues with them. Um, Little known I, fact: Sony first started out as an audio company. That was one of the first first things they put out was audio gear. So nice, interesting. Yep, awesome. yep. No, they are they are a gem. I've got a, a pair of a couple of them, and uh, yeah, absolutely love them. Well. Uh, Let's wrap this up here. Uh, let's hear a little bit more about Clint. Just um, where can people go if they want to see your work, if they want to find out more about what you're, what you're doing? Yeah, it's candlelightfilms.com is everything that we do, really. Uh, it's it's 50% weddings, 50% corporate, but I haven't, and, and commercial, but I haven't made a different brand to, to shout that from yet. Uh, and it's just all word of mouth. And, and we have our, our clients and we love them. Uh, and we, and we treat them right. And then, uh, my wife actually, uh, she's a stay at home mom. She shoots with me on Saturdays and, uh, and then she just started her own deal. She shot a few births and it just oh, babies come at night and cameras like light and it just didn't really happen or it didn't really work out. So she's actually meeting up with the, the girls three days later. And, uh, three, four days later, mom gets a chance to take a shower, put her makeup on and, uh, and tell that whole story and love on the baby a little bit. And so we bought the first and, uh, and yeah, so the first so days. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So that's her side project. What about you, Gary? You can find us at inamics.com. That's E-Y-E-N-A-M-I-C-S. Uh, Facebook. We're very, very Facebook friendly on Instagram as well. And then our side project we just started is called Gear, Glasses, and Gadgets on YouTube. And for those who can't nice. see me, my wife and I both have ginormous nerd glasses because we're 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 nerds. And um, you can see they've got uh, some stormtroopers in the background. I see back there. I think. <laughs> oh, absolutely. If if you follow us on Facebook, you're going to figure it out real quick that we're we're huge sci-fi geeks. But um, but yeah. Um, We've been doing this for 15 years and slowly, you know, new people come out and they keep asking us questions about things. And so I was talking to Amber one night. I was like, why don't we start a YouTube channel? I mean, we don't know everything, but we know a lot that that uh, new new people and even even some seasoned filmmakers don't that we can just speak on our experience. So if yeah, gear glasses and gadgets, we do a lot of reviews. You're going to see a lot of Sony stuff because we just we review things we own for the most part. Yeah. So uh, I don't rent equipment and then and then do a review because that doesn't. 
I don't know it enough to use have used it in the field and then tell you how it works. So a lot of our reviews you're going to see is from an actual wedding and, and, and things like that. And we're going to incorporate more content for editing and running your business and, and how to promote yourself and how, how, to, how to network a little bit. So there's going to be a lot more content um, coming soon. But yeah, right now we, we're having fun. Um, it's a just totally different direction that we didn't think we'd ever do. But it's really cool when, you, when you're teaching somebody. And they have a question and you're explaining why a certain thing is that way. And just to see that little twinkle in their eye when when their brain makes the connection. Like, oh, I get it. I, I don't know why, but I love that moment. That's that's the moment that I love. But yep. yeah, check us out on YouTube. Uh, hit Punch that subscribe button. And um, yeah, thanks. Nice. Awesome. Well, this has been really great. I think uh, we definitely need to collaborate. Uh, as, as you guys were talking, I was uh, – so I actually have a list. I have a list I've created of – uh, almost three years worth of podcast episodes and several of the things that you guys were talking about. Um, I'm like, yes, I need to have you guys back on the show to talk about, uh, awesome. you know, talk about storytelling, to talk about some more of the, you know, uh, with some of the, the, um, the business education stuff that you're talking about Gary, with uh, talking about transitioning into some corporate work clients with both of you guys and talking about working with your spouses. Um, I think it's something that a lot of people will find interesting and, and all these topics I've actually already written out. And so I'm excited. Uh, we'll definitely have you guys back on the show. So thanks nice. for being on. This has been really awesome. Thanks for having us. Appreciate thanks, it. Sir. The wedding film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. And when you're done, head on over to WeddingFilmAcademy.org to chat with our other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comments section. Until next time, keep making movie magic.